Well, I, I think we settled one thing this weekend at each of our campuses that I've got better moves than anyone else. Wouldn't you guys agree with that? That's ex- Wouldn't you guys agree with that? Come on, seriously, give me a break here, man. Tough crowd this morning, right? I mean, good night. Hey, to all of our campuses, we welcome uh, you, Faith Promise as a whole, and we're grateful just that God has brought us all together uh, to learn this morning and uh, this weekend all that he has for us as believers. We're finishing up the Man Up series, but before we get to that, I just want to remind you of a couple things. One, had a great opportunity this past week uh, to spend four days with some of your second graders, but second graders uh, from across each of our campuses. And yeah, it was awesome. And uh, second graders, you know, I learned a lot. Uh, one of them is they got a lot of different smells that Febreze commercials don't really help. Uh, but, but outside of that, it was awesome. You know, if your kids missed uh, kids camp, and I know that, that sometimes you, you think, man, why do we prioritize things like that? But our kids learned about the spiritual gifts that God has placed within them and how God's gonna use that as a part of his kingdom. And so I would just encourage you, next year when you see signups for camp, get your kids involved in kids camp because it was just a phenomenal time of them growing in their relationship with Christ. And the second thing I wanna remind you guys of across each of our campuses is that uh, the Global Leadership Summit's coming. There'll be a commercial here in FPTV at the end of the message. Uh, but you know what, it's a, it's a great opportunity for you to join our staff and growing as a leader. And I really believe that God's gonna use the summit just to be a catalyst for many people to take new steps and uh, their leadership ability within the kingdom in our church. And so if you'll take one of these cards at our locations, some of them are in the seats or in uh, the pockets of the seat backs or maybe at the information desk, but you can register at $79. It's August the 8th and 9th. And I know many people who have gone to their supervisor at work and instead of having to take a vacation day, they've been able to get the time approved for leadership development reasons within their job. And so don't miss the opportunity to be a part of the summit. It's gonna be an absolutely incredible time. Uh, for us to grow together. And our staff, the entire Faith Promise staff team will be here as well, uh, growing and learning from each of our campuses. That's happening at the Pellissippi campus. It's a simulcast August the 8th and 9th, and it's going to be incredible. So sign up, uh, register for that, and for the opportunity uh, that we have to grow as leaders together. You know, didn't Michelle do an incredible job last weekend in the Man Up series? Didn't she... It was so obvious to me, you know, pastor's so out of his league when Michelle's sitting up here and you know where the wisdom comes from, right? Uh, whenever the, he's talking, I mean, he's looking over at her and I'm thinking, man, it's just so clear now why the messages are good every weekend, right? As he's bouncing stuff off of her. Uh, but you know, I think the struggle with talking in a series like Man Up and finishing it out particularly is that, you know, I, I never want it to come across that I'm presenting that I've got the answers, Because I'm a man, just like every other man in this room, and each of us have struggles and challenges and things that we face that we have to walk through and grow in as men who are desiring to be men of God. But I also believe that most of us as men need to surrender what we've been doing or things that we've been doing for things that God wants us to do so that we can truly become the men of God that he's called us to. Right? God has a plan for us, and he has a plan for us to accomplish in his kingdom. And, and I think Satan has really done a work in the family and in the lives of men 
Because I really believe that we have this thought that, that one day things will be perfect. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you guys ever experience that in your life? You think, well, if I can just make this change, then that'll be perfect. And I think Satan uses the thought that if I can do things my way, that I can get things better, I can make them perfect. And instead, it becomes a trap that he uses that as we try to make things perfect in our life or in our relationships, it's actually not possible. And so it leads to greater disappointment and a lack of fulfillment because we have this thought that things are actually going to be perfect, but they don't end up being perfect. When Kim and I were first married uh, just uh, almost 12 years ago now, I, I remember uh, so many things uh, going back to that point in time whenever we, uh, we had built a house together and I had lived in it. And then uh, whenever we were married, she ends up moving in, right? We get back from the honeymoon. And, and I realized that there were a lot of different issues uh, that we faced in ways that we were very different than one another than you had, had realized before. And I, I spent most of the time early on in our marriage actually trying to get Kim to become like me, right? I mean, I've shared this before, but whenever she would fold the towels, she wouldn't fold them on, with the stripes right on the outside. You know what I'm talking about? And if the stripes were on the outside, the towels scream from the cabinet, you know, and because they're not satisfied with the way that they were put in there. And so we were talking and, uh, and, and we were, I was asking her, because I always do, I say, hey, read my message. And I need an illustration right here about some things that I didn't do well early on in our marriage. And after about 10 minutes of her rolling off ideas for illustrations, I said, hey, what, how about you quit giving ideas to make application here? Okay, I don't need any, I don't need any more ideas from you. But the reality is that most of the time I spent my focus and my time on trying to get her to become like me. When in reality, as a man, what God has called us to as a spiritual leader is to have our spouse actually become like him. You see, if I'm doing my job as the spiritual leader of my home, then what's actually happening, what, what's actually happening in my home is that the gifts that God has placed within each person are being used in such a way that the people in your home should not look like you, but they should look like the creation that God has made within your home, the gifts and abilities that he's placed within them, and they're becoming like him. But I think for most of us, we really have this desire that the people around us would become like us. And thousands of years ago, when God created the first man and the first woman, uh, he created them and said, you can do anything in this garden that I've created. But the one thing that you can't do is you can't eat of this tree. And you guys know the story. Maybe if you haven't even been to church, what happens is one day Eve, the woman that God created, goes over and she eats of the tree and Adam comes up and she says, hey, here's uh, some fruit from this tree. That's the tree we're not supposed to eat of. I know, I tasted it, it tastes very good. And he takes a bite as well. And in that moment, what I think God wants to reveal to you this weekend is it created incredible turmoil. And the problem that that sin created has plagued the reason why men are not accomplishing what God wants to in their lives and why couples are experiencing this lack of fulfillment that they do today because they don't understand the consequences of that sin and how that still impacts life today. And so in the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about what happened in Genesis chapter 3. And then, guys, I want to give you some practical steps about how you can become the spiritual leader of your home. And I wish that Genesis 3 was encouraging 
but it's not. So plan to be discouraged from God's word. So if you have a Bible or if you have a phone that has the Bible on it, pull it out and, 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 and open it up to Genesis chapter 3. And I want to read some verses in Genesis chapter 3, uh, particularly focusing on, on verses 16 through 19. And this is what it says. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. See how encouraging it is? In pain, you will bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. You shall, uh, curses the ground because of you. In toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life, but thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. Do you feel encouraged this morning from God's word? Of course not. No. But guys, I want you to understand something, that your spiritual leadership was lost in Genesis chapter 3. And actually, I don't even think it was lost because if you remember what I told you about the story, we actually gave away the spiritual leadership of our family when Eve was there eating of the fruit instead of Adam saying, no, this isn't what God has for our family. He in turn steps up and he eats of the fruit as well. And that forever changed the relationship that God desires for us to share as couples. And I want you to see this first off, and he starts off with the women And it's really interesting as he talks to Eve and he's talking about women who would come after Eve. He gives her a couple of things. And and look at this just really quickly with me. Because ladies, we can't leave you out, but you need to understand what's happening in the relationship that you have with your husband. And the first thing he says is that you would experience pain in childbirth. Now, I've passed three kidney stones, so I think I can speak to this a little bit. And I'm serious about that. Right, they say kidney stones are like having a baby at some level. And so I think, I, I think if, of all guys in the room, I've got something that I can maybe help the ladies with here. But he actually says that there would be pain in childbirth. And I think that's like, well, duh. I think everybody, you know, if you have children, you've experienced that, right? There's pain in childbirth. But I love what one commentator said because I think it gives a greater picture to what I think God may be saying in this passage. And it's not just that, ladies, you would have an experience pain in childbirth, but you would experience the pain that comes from the sin that was committed because the children from that point forward would sin just the way that their parents did. If you read a little bit after that, Adam and Eve have two sons, Cain and Abel, and Abel is serving God and Cain isn't. And one day Cain becomes jealous of Abel because God loves him more is what he believes. And so instead of him growing and developing a relationship with God, Cain kills Abel. And I can't imagine but Eve's heart breaking for the time to come after that. And there are many women across each of our campuses this weekend whose children have broken their hearts and they still experience the pain of that, the pain of the heartbreak that happened because of the sin choices that kids committed. And they think that they're battling against their husband, but they're actually experiencing the consequences of the sin and the consequences that were carried on from that. 
But the second thing he says for women, he says, yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. One lady who was a scholar wrote, and I think it's some of the best words that I've ever read, and I think it'll help you ladies and men understand what's going on here in Genesis chapter 3. She wrote this. Listen to this very closely. These words mark the beginning of the battle of the sexes. Now think about that. Yet your desire, this is what the word is, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. These words mark the beginning of the battle of the sexes. As a result of the fall, Man no longer rules easily. He must fight for his headship. Now, this is a lady writing this. Listen to this next statement. It's really good. Sin has corrupted both the willing submission of the wife and the loving headship of the husband. What do men and women always say? Men say, well, she needs to submit. What do women say? He needs to love me. She needs to submit. He needs to love me. Sin has corrupted both the willing submission of the wife and the loving headship of the husband. The woman's desire is to control her husband, to usurp his divinely appointed headship. So the rule of love founded in paradise is replaced by struggle, tyranny, and dominion. Now, I know across our campuses that there's not marriages that would have this going on within them, but I guess maybe some of your friends you may have seen before this idea of struggle and tyranny and dominion. If you've seen that in someone you know, you know, do like this, shake your head. Yes, this means, of course, I'm sure it's not happening in your home, but it's happening in the home of someone else that you know. But think about how sin And the consequences of that sin change the relationship. And here's what I want you to see, and this is what I think is so important here, is that Satan knew that the first sin would not just separate man and woman from God, but he knew that the consequences of that sin would separate man and woman from each other. For man, he said there will be consequences, and most of it dealt with the land and work. And I want to just focus on one of those really quickly because I think it'll give insight into what's happening. And he said to man, to Adam, by the sweat of your face, you will eat bread. Now, guys, have you ever said something like this? If I don't work late, then, uh, you know, I'm going to lose my job. And if I lose my job, you're not going to have this great house and these cars that you drive. And we won't be able to go on a vacation anymore. And and that's why I've got to work late. And that's why I keep my phone sitting on the the table next to me at at dinner and, and all these different things. Guys, have you ever said that to your wife? Well, it happened the same way. Last night, you guys didn't say much. Ladies, just, just, just nod gently. If you don't make a big deal, has your husband ever said that? Right. Because the direct cause of the first sin is that men would have the natural tendency to be workaholics. Right? He said, Adam, to Adam, hey, you're going to have to work now to provide for your family. And because of that, because all of our families need food and all of these different things, then, then as guys, we say we have to work for our family. And it hit me. As men, we have the natural tendency to value right things in the wrong ways. We have the natural tendency to value right things in the wrong ways. You see, as guys, what we do is this. As guys, as as we begin to value things, what we do is we say, hey, I have a job. There's nothing wrong with a job, right? Jobs are fine. 
But what we do as men is that our jobs actually become our identity. We take something that's good, that's okay, a job, it provides for us, but we make it our identity. And when our job becomes our identity, we as men have the wrong focus. You see, the focus of us as men, it it is supposed to be that our desire is to be the spiritual leaders of our family. But instead, instead, because of the first sin, what Satan has done is he's made our identity in the work that we do. And because we identify with our work, we have forsaken the role that God has called us to. You see, we believe that we're providing for our family, but what God has called us to is not to provide things for our family that have no eternal benefit. A house, a car, those are great. Your family should have them. But what God has called men to be in their families is to be the presence of Christ in the home. And men, because they found their identity and their work, have given that role over to the moms in most homes, to the ladies there. And as men, it wasn't as if we were just losing the spiritual battle in our home. Men today aren't even fighting anymore. They just said, you know what? My wife, she can just be the spiritual leader. She's better at it anyway. Guys, we've got to man up. We've got to realize that the the consequences from the first sin have actually taken our focus from being on what it should be, being the spiritual leaders of our family, to what it's become. Us not leading our family or caring for our family or showing our family the spiritual leadership that God has for us. And instead of letting that go, we've got to stand up and fight. I mean, as men, we've got to say, hey, if this is the problem, this is the problem. We've got to do something about it. And you see, I think, and then we have to come to a place to where we have to define what it means to be a spiritual leader. And I was talking with Pastor Chuck several weeks ago, and I was just saying, hey, what does it mean to be a spiritual leader? Uh, Pastor Chuck is our pastor of family ministries, and, and he threw something out there, and then I took it and worked it around. And guys, here's what I want to tell you what a spiritual leader is. A spiritual, le- spiritual leadership or a spiritual leader, spiritual leadership is taking responsibility for the spiritual health of your family over the rights you desire as a man. Spiritual leadership is taking responsibility for the spiritual health of your family over the rights you desire as a man. Here's the deal. Guys think spiritual leadership is telling their wife what car they should drive. What? Guys think spiritual leadership is is giving insight into, well, I don't think we should have a couch that costs that much. Maybe so, right? Maybe we shouldn't have a couch that puts us in debt or something like that, right, ladies? I mean, mean, that could be reasonable. Guys think spiritual leadership is is the macho locker room talk, right? Yeah, I'll tell you who wears the pants in my family. You know what? God doesn't care who wears the pants in your family. God didn't even care if they have pants in your family. We only got pants because of the sin that happened. (laughs) Grief. You know, how have we... I don't even know where that came from, but I'm, I'm just... Guys, 
Man, God called you to be the spiritual leader of your home. And he defines spiritual leadership this way. Uh, Paul does in Ephesians chapter 5. Michelle mentioned it last weekend. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Do you notice that? It doesn't say husbands, love your wives and tell them what type of washing machine they should get. Who cares? So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy, uh, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his own wife loves himself. And as I was meditating in my notes, I wrote this down. Men, your primary role is to see that your wife is spiritually whole. How can you see if your wife is spiritually whole? You have to be spiritually whole yourself. And the problem in most homes today is that women are spiritually whole and men are spiritually bankrupt. And when you put those two things together, what do you get? A broken, bankrupt home. Because God called men to be the leaders of their family, but men have given that right away and that role away, and therefore God can't bless your home. So what do we do? I've given you a passage of Scripture that has no hope whatsoever, and I've pretty much depleted all the hope that you had when you came to church this morning. So let me give you a few things. How do you become the spiritual leader in your home again? The first thing is this, admit where you are. Guys, what if we just got honest with ourselves that we haven't been the spiritual leaders of our home? What if we just admitted we're not the spiritual leaders? Instead of this macho manhood thing that our culture teaches, What if we just absolutely said, you know what, God, I haven't been the spiritual leader of my home, but I want to be the spiritual leader of my home. In Psalm 101, verse 2, David wrote this, I will give heed to the blameless way. When will you come to me? I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. David wasn't perfect, but he gave us a glimpse into his life, and he said his ultimate goal was to lead himself and his family and the nation of Israel with blamelessness and integrity. And in reality, I think you guys know this as well as I do, that the easiest thing that you can do is stand up here and talk about being a spiritual leader. But at the end of the day, when when we all walk out of the rooms at each of our campuses and get in our car, And turn the key, and it doesn't start. Spiritual leadership normally goes out the window. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I just recall moments where Kim has said, I'll say, you know, this is broken at the house. I'll say, you know, I'm going to go to Home Depot. I'm going to fix that. She'll say, God, please, no. She'll say, hey, just pay somebody to do it. I'm like, no, I'm going to do it. She said, no, we just don't want to have to live through it. If If you'll pay somebody to do it, you know, we'll all have peace in the home because she knows, you know, if, if, 
if this is some type of giftedness and fixing things and this isn't, then I'm, I'm somewhere over here. The most difficult place to be a spiritual leader is in your home. You see, it's different living it day in and day out. It's easy in church to say, I'm going to be the spiritual leader. It's difficult when you get home. And I wrote this down. Men, until you admit where you are, you'll keep honoring the people that you work with and losing the hearts of the people that you live with. You see, the sad reality for us guys is that most of us, we're more respected where we work and the people we work with than the people that we live with. And we should be more respected by the people we live with and really not care about the people that we work with at some level. The second thing, you need to go to your spouse and repent and apologize for not being the spiritual leader of your home. But here's the deal. Listen, don't do it unless you're serious. Just don't do it. I was thinking as as I was preparing I've had the opportunity to do a lot of counseling and talk to a lot of people in ministry. And one of the things I've realized, guys, is this. Most women are looking for a spiritual leader. Actually, I have never, to my knowledge, in the history that I've had in ministry, had a woman come to me and say, by golly, my husband is so spiritual, I'm sick of it. He's wearing me out with all this God stuff. I can't stand him loving God so much. You know what women come and say? My husband won't come to church with me. I have to beg him to come. He won't get involved. He won't serve. He won't go to small group. Man, I was thinking another thing. You know what, guys? This is so a shame to say for us. I only know two guys in my life in ministry whose wives wouldn't come to church with him. But I couldn't count on my fingers and toes and probably the first row across the front of this campus the number of ladies who said, my husband won't come to church with me. My husband won't go to small group with me. My husband won't. My husband won't. My husband won't be the spiritual leader of our home. You see, we need to take steps towards repenting right, of the failure that we have given in leadership in our homes. The third thing, we need to close the gap between where we are and where we need to be. And I have to tell you something. I believe that at the surface level, men want to man up. I think men want to man up. And and then when I realized that, I started thinking to myself, God, there's got to be another way. There's got to be another way. Because if I tell them the way that is the only way, then they're not going to do it. So I started thinking, what other way can I give them? And there's no other way. The only way is to put the Word of God inside of you as a man and to live the principle and teaching of God's Word day in and day out in your life 
and in your home and your family. If you'll saturate yourself, if you'll put God's word inside of you and begin to ask God to help you live out the commands of his word, then you'll become the spiritual leader of your home. But the problem is men want another way. They want somebody to read the Bible for them and them become a spiritual leader. And it just isn't going to happen. The only thing that I can give to you is this. You have to begin taking time daily to learn from God's word how you can be the spiritual leader of your home. And then I think another thing that you have to do is you have to ask someone to help you. You need to find someone who's spiritual, someone who's past where you are and say, hey, would you help me be a spiritual leader? Because I've got no idea what it means and I'm just starting reading God's word. And as I'm reading God's word, I'm understanding what that means, but I'm not there yet and I need your help and you need someone to speak into your life. And the only way you're going to find that is by getting connected to other things, to serving or to group or to a Bible study somewhere, whatever it is that you do. But you'll also have to spend time every day in God's Word, reading the Bible and applying the words of Scripture. I remember Chuck Geringer made a statement and I I wrote it down. And he said this, and it really impacted me. He said, inconsistency causes us to question who the other person really is. You see, if you're going to man up, you're going to have to be consistent. Right? I mean, you go to a men's conference, you come home, man, you're fired up, you're going to be the man of your home, and your wife sets the, the timer. She knows, you know, hey, this was a good conference. I bet I got four days on this one, you know, before he blows a fuse. You go to church after a message like this one, and she says, you know what, I got a good 24 hours. Let me milk it for all it's worth, right? Do you know what I think? I think that as men, we have to be consistent. I think your wife needs to see you read God's word. If you ask the family of, of pastor, remember Michelle, she had the picture through the window of pastor out reading God's word. If you ask people's family, if you ask my family, where am I going to be at 4.15 in the morning? I'm going to be in my chair in the living room reading God's word and praying. And you know what? You don't have to start at 4.15 in the morning. You can start at 5.15 or 6.15 or 10.15 at night if that works for you. But you have to get in God's word consistently. If we're going to man up, guys, it's only going to happen because we're going to live out the principles of God's word. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes across each of our campuses. Because I believe that the Holy Spirit has fallen and moved. And and right now in guys, I think that they uh, just are hearing the Holy Spirit speaking in a greater level than even my voice. And guys, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. If you're willing to take a step, if you're willing to take a step, And you haven't been the spiritual leader that you should be. And your wife is sitting next to you. I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you to stand up. I want you to grab her hand and squeeze it. So that she'll know that she should expect something different from you in your life. There's another group of people at each of our campuses. There's a group of ladies who are here by themselves because their husbands won't come. And they've given up on the fact that they would ever come. And if you're there by yourself and your husband's not with you, then I want you to pray and recommit to pray that God will move in his life in such a way 
Now get a hold of him and he'll become the spiritual leader of your home. Father, right now men across each of our campuses have committed in a way that they haven't before because you've spoken to them that they want to be the spiritual leader of their home. And I pray that when they leave here and get in the car in front of their kids, that they'll look their wife in the face and admit that they haven't been the spiritual leader and apologize. And I pray that tomorrow they'll take a step. God, I'm not praying for any man to take 20 steps. I'm just praying tomorrow they'll take a step. I pray that they'll continue over the course of time to take steps to become the person that you've called them to be. And Father, as the men of our church become the spiritual leaders of our home, then we'll see an incredible change in the families that are a part of this ministry. So would you move and would you let men know that you believe in them in a way that they could never understand? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, you know what? Maybe you would say, you don't understand how complicated my life is. One of the things that we offer as a part of our church is that we have counseling services. We have a counseling team, and you can call our phone number, hit zero, and Brenda or one of the people who answer the phone. Uh, we'll actually be able to schedule you an appointment because maybe you say, man, our relationship is so damaged. We don't know what the first step to take is. Then you know what? The first step for you to take is to call and make an appointment and begin to rebuild the relationship that's been damaged because of the consequences of the sin that we have carried on from Adam and from Eve. In just a few minutes, our pastors are going to be down front, but first we're going to watch FPTV and uh, then we'll be dismissed after that. Watch this.